had come from miles away to hear Jesus speak. I think even today, if Jesus was walking and, and, and doing some of the, the teaching and the miracles that he did back then, walking on our earth today, even people who would say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, I'm far off from what Jesus teaches, I think there's a draw there that people would want to come and hear what this teacher was saying. People had walked for miles to hear what Jesus would say. This was the teacher that everyone in the area was talking about. This was the, the prophet that not only spoke with, with great wisdom and truth, but with a commanding authority. People wanted to hear what he had to say. This was the man that others were saying was sent by God. This was the one that was going to change everything. So, it makes sense that they came from miles away to hear what Jesus would say. This was a, a burdened people, heavily, heavily burdened in their time. Oppressed by the Roman law that was thrust upon them. They were loaded down by the rules of their own priests in the Jewish synagogues. They were crushed by the systems of a commanding tyrant king. So imagine as they approach Jesus this day with these burdens on their shoulders thinking this is going to be the guy that's going to change everything. He's going to flip it all upside down. This is the day that my life changes, right? So they draw close. The, the crowd is, is pushing and shoving. I'm sure there was, there was quite, a, quite a, a smell among the crowd that day. Can you imagine walking for miles? And then you get all close and people are like rubbing up on you. You ever been to a concert, right? Or you get in a crowd and somebody gets a little too close to you. Yeah, I see your face. All right, I sold this enough. All right. So they're drawing close to Jesus and he kind of walks up on the side of a mountain. We can read about this in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in Matthew 5. But he walks up on this mountain and then he sits down. What kind of a teacher sits down to teach? But we're going to go with this for a little while. Jesus sits down on the side of a mountain, and then he begins to teach them with this commanding authority, with this profound wisdom, with this absolute truth, and he says these words to begin his sermon that day, blessed are the poor. you got to be kidding me, Jesus. I mean, there's a better way to start this, isn't it? I, I, prefer, I would prefer that day to draw them in a little bit to tell them a story. But no, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Jesus, I think you forgot who you're talking to. Remember, these are a, a beaten down people. They don't want to hear, blessed be the poor. These are a people that have walked for miles. They don't want to hear, blessed are the poor. But that's just where Jesus begins. How could they be blessed to be poor? 
And why of all things start with the language of finance when none of the people that are gathered here this morning are wealthy by any means? And Jesus says, blessed are the poor. This is not what they had walked miles to hear. I tell you what, they had come for some encouragement to be lifted up, to hear things are going to change. You might be poor now, but give it a couple of years and all of this is going to be turned upside down and all of you are going to be rulers and all of you are going to be wealthy. But Jesus doesn't start there, does he? Because that wouldn't be truth. Instead, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. I think about the crowd that day. They were looking for someone to cast off their oppressors. They were looking for someone to restore their kingdom. They were looking for someone to come in and save the, save the day. Blessed be, or blessed are the poor. Jesus, you're off to a terrible start. If I'm sitting behind him, if I'm one of his disciples, I'm kind of whispering that in his ear or his earpiece. If we're living in our modern technology days, Jesus, you're off to a terrible start. But as we talked about last week, I believe that throughout Jesus' ministry, much of the advice, specifically financial advice that Jesus gave, he intended for it to be terrible advice, for it to be shocking for it to strike a bit of terror in the lives and the hearts of the people that were listening to it so that they would be surprised. Matthew 5, I said, records some of the words of Jesus on that mountainside. Here, 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 here's some of So those of you who uh, did, did not subscribe to what I said last week and said, well, I don't think Jesus meant for it to be terrible or to be shocking. Those of you who are coming in this morning didn't hear last week's message. Let me tell you a couple of the things Jesus says here in the same Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Some of the things that Jesus said in this sermon that begins with, blessed are the poor. He says, if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, that is your shirt, let him have your cloak as well, that is your coat. Jesus says this, you ready? Give to the one who asks and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. We don't live by these rules, do we? Most of us. No, I'd be flat broke. I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a, a shirt. I wouldn't have a coat. I wouldn't have a house. I wouldn't have a car. People pick up on this. If you start giving everything away to everybody who asks, more and more people are going to ask. Amen? Some of you are going to come to me and ask, well, pastor, I heard you gave your truck away. Uh, you know what? I need a car. Why don't you give me a car? I heard you gave $5 to this person. How about if I push it a little bit? Can I have 10? Right? But Jesus really said these things. Someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let, tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Give to the one who asks and do not turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. The question then, as we read some of Jesus' financial advice, some of Jesus' life advice, the question is, did Jesus really mean these things? Or is there a, 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 a chance that maybe Jesus meant this as just an illustration? He says, he says these things, but really there's a, a deeper, profound meaning that we're supposed to draw out somewhere. 
And I tell you, if that's the case, people have been trying for years to, to go under Jesus' financial advice like this and say, well, but there's a deeper meaning here. It doesn't, Jesus didn't really literally mean give to anybody who asks. Jesus didn't really mean if somebody sues you, then give them whatever it is they're suing you for. That's not what Jesus meant at all. But my question to you is, if Jesus truly meant these things, and we are to take them at face value for what Jesus says, how are we to do it? What would it look like if we truly followed Jesus' terrible financial advice? Let's unpack these just a little bit. He says, someone wants to sue you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. I don't know if anybody here has ever been sued. I'm sure the statistics or the probability, rather, would say somebody in this room has probably been sued before. But what this means, I, I tried to, to put this in a modern uh, framework. If someone takes you to court for $1,000, give them the $1,000 and then pay any court costs that they have as well. Are we ready to do that? Someone wants to take your shirt, sues you for your shirt, give them your coat as well. Go above and beyond. Whatever it is they're suing you for, give more. Someone asks you for something, give it to them. And that means, men, you're working out in your garage. Somebody comes up and says, you know what, I need a chainsaw. Well, here, I've got one right here. Why don't you take mine? Okay. Someone asks you for something, give it to them. You know what, I really need one of those. Okay, here you go. You can have mine. Someone comes to borrow from you, always say yes. That, that means don't say, let me go ask my wife and depend on her to give me a good reason why I can't give you this, right? Come on, come on. Someone asks you for something, give it to them. Someone comes to you to borrow from you, always say Yes, if this sounds like terrible advice to you, you're not alone. Through the ages, people have thought, that's terrible advice. That's bad advice. Jesus, you might have been having an off day. The problem with that is that we, we build our faith on so much of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Much of our, our teaching comes back to and we say, well, you know, there was the law of Moses, but when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, He brought clearer direction to all the law that, that, that God had given to Moses on that mountain. Jesus gives us an understanding. He unpacks the law. And so the problem is if we say, well, you know what, Jesus, you were having some off moments here, but these are really good. We can't do that, can we, church? So let's keep digging. Obviously... Jesus did not come with this message from an American point of view, did he? Where our American pastime is to sue one another. We have more lawsuits in our nation than any other nation. You ready for this? 80% of the lawyers in the world live in the United States of America. That's amazing. I love that. 80%. We have this American mindset weighing on us. And then as we talked about last week, we've got this kingdom mindset weighing on us. And I would tell you, they both cannot win. 
They both cannot come out. We can't say, you know what, I've got my American mindset, I've got my kingdom mindset. And most of the time, they agree, but when they don't disagree, I'm going to find a way that they can both win. Because we have to decide. Am I committed to the kingdom or am I committed to the culture? Are you with me? So Jesus preaches. Let them have your coat. Jesus preaches. Lend to anybody who asks. Jesus preaches. Give to anybody who asks of you. Can you imagine the people squirming in the crowd that day as Jesus starts to teach these things? Blessed are the poor. That was, that was nothing in comparison with what Jesus is getting ready to say. Blessed, be, or blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. Now go out and give everything away. Imagine the people squirming in the crowd. Jesus teaches this message. I mean, I can imagine it because some of us are squirming as we hear this and we're looking for an out. We're saying, well, gee, there's, there's got to be, Pastor, get to it. There's got to be an out, right? Because you're not expecting us to go out of this sanctuary and go back to our, our homes and go about our week and if people really ask for things, then we're just going to give them away, are you? Because if I ask you to do that, that means I have to do that. Can you imagine people squirming in the crowd that day? Can you imagine people squirming in the church today as we read these these passages? I squirmed a little bit as I read this passage and I said, you know what, I've already committed to the worship team. I'm going to preach on this passage so I can't back out of it now, right? Imagine people squirming. Imagine how many people walked away that day. Jesus says, blessed are the poor. And a few people kind of scatter off. All right, this is not the message I came to hear. So, you know, I'm going home. Then Jesus gets to the the real meat of the the financial advice that he's giving here. And you just see big chunks of people. Nope, not for me. Not for me anymore, Jesus. See, but as we talk about the people walking away, I think that was the point. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to get to here. This was his intention. If you cannot give, you cannot follow Jesus. I'm going to say that again. If you cannot give, you cannot follow Jesus. If you can't give like Jesus calls, then you cannot follow where Jesus goes. And if you cannot follow where Jesus goes, then you're going to miss out on all the blessings that Jesus has. See, because I think so often we, we wrap our, 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 our arms around our financial blessings. The thing that we come into church and we say, all, th- all good things come from God. God, you gave us these things. We're going to give you praise and we're going we're to lift your name up because you have blessed us immeasurably. We wrap our arms around and then Jesus comes and he says things like this. And he, he, he tells us specifically, now I need you to give some of that away. No, you know what, because if I give some of this away, way I might not have it (laughs) God says well no you won't have it I need you to give it away I've blessed you so you can be a blessing well if I give this away then come 30 40 years from now my kids I can't pass it on to my kids I can't pass it on to my grandchildren I'm not going to feel as safe and as secure and God says that's the point that's the point. If you can't give like Jesus calls, you can't follow where Jesus goes. And if you can't follow where Je- and you don't follow where Jesus goes, you're going to miss out on all the blessings that Jesus has in store for you. See, I think that's the point.
I want to dig in a little bit here. Luke chapter 6. This is the same message, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 27. And the verses that follow that, you can find that in your Bible, one of the Pew Bibles, or if you're following on the Bible app this morning, we've got the message outlined on there each week. And Matthew, or I'm sorry, Luke 6.27 is outlined there for you. Luke chapter 6. Verse 27, I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. It says this, Jesus' words to us. But to you who are willing to listen. We have to stop right there in the middle of verse 27. Because this goes all the way back to the things that Jesus had said before. To those who are, to you who are willing to listen. What Jesus is saying here is, to those of you who are still with me, to those who have hung around through some of the, the difficult things that I've said, some of the difficult truths and the things that are uncomfortable in your life right now, to those of you who are still with me and willing to listen to what I have to say, I tell you this, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Verse 28, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek as well. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Listen to some of these, these verbs, some of these action words that Jesus uses in this passage. Love your enemies. Do good to those who do bad to you, those who persecute you. Do good. Bless those who curse you. Are you hearing this, church? I mean, this is, I don't want to do any of this stuff. Pray for your enemies. Give to those that ask. So if you're all right with all the rest of it and you say, well, I can, I can love and I can pray for my enemies and I can, I can share a blessing over those who curse me. I can do all of those things. Then Jesus gets into the tangible and he says, give, give to those who ask and lend to those who ask of you. Lend things away. Give it away. Verse 32, if you love, Jesus unpacks this and a little bit more for us, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? That's easy. Some of you, you know, give me a doubtful look. Well, it's not always easy to love the people that love me. Well, I'd say we got another sermon for that. That should be easy. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Jesus says that's an expectation already. Even sinners love those who love them. 
You don't have to follow God in order to and, and, and be committed to Jesus to love the people who love you. Those are the people that are nice to you. You should love them already. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners do that much. Now to clarify, we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? What Jesus is saying here is even people who are outside of, of the commitment and have not yet come to Jesus and committed their, their life to follow him, even people outside following Jesus do that. You don't get credit for that, church. How's that strike you? You don't get credit for loving people who love you. You don't get credit for doing good to those who already do good to you. Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's more. I'm calling you to so much more. And if you lend money to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Wow. See, Jesus is going here beyond giving and getting to every facet of living. Jesus is pointing us to a kingdom-minded thinking. He's reminding us that we are His children, that we're to be different as His sons and daughters, following after Him. He's reminding us of the commitment that we have made, not only to Him as our Savior, the one that has saved us from the penalty of our sins, but as our Lord, our King, our Ruler, our Master, the one that we will serve and follow, no matter what the costs are. Jesus is reminding us all that we are not of this world. And I believe he's giving some of this terrible advice that we read today to shake us out of our American mindset, to shake us out of this mentality that we just need to acquire more safety, more possessions, more money, more security for the future. He's trying to shake us out of that and say, there's so much more that you're missing out on because you're so focused on this. So given this terrible financial advice of Jesus, what are we to do? What are we to do with it? I have three words written down here. Give, love, and serve. If those sound familiar, they should. Give, love, and serve. We read each week our vision as a church, a community of committed and faithful followers of Jesus who live, love, and serve. A portion of our living is giving. Will we truly be a community that are so committed and so faithful to Jesus that we will give, that we will love, that we will serve with passion and with purpose, no matter what it means for us. If God calls us to it, we will do it. Amen? Can we truly be that type of a community? Can you truly... See, and this is not calling us to anything outside of the realm of Scripture. This is calling us to obey what Jesus has 
laid out for all of his followers. This is not anything beyond his scriptural call. What will you do? See, I say, what will we do? We can say, oh yeah, we're committed to that, and as a church, we're going to do this, but the church is made up of a bunch of individuals that have committed to follow Jesus, no matter the cost. So what will you do? As you read the, these words of Jesus, as you hear this sermon that Jesus gives, these wise and truthful and absolute truths that Jesus gives, what will you do? Will you live in obedience to them? Will you follow after Jesus, or will you turn away? See, many have. That's the reality. It doesn't talk about that in, in Matthew 5 or 6 or 7 or even in Luke 6 and how many people that day as Jesus began to, to, to speak, how many people just got up and walked away and said, you know what, this is not for me. Not yet. It doesn't tell us that Jesus stood up then on the side of the mountain and pointed to people and called them out and condemned them in any way. No. Perhaps it wasn't their time. The question for us as followers of Jesus is, what will we do? What will you do? Will you obey or will you walk away? There is no middle ground here. What would it look like then if we truly were a community that was so committed to Jesus, whatever His call, no matter how uncomfortable it was or difficult it, it, it was for our family, in our lives, what would it look like if we truly became, began to give and love and serve like Jesus financially? Remember Jesus' words on the mountain that day. He begins, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. And you can say, well, that's talking about spiritual. That's not talking about financial. Well, it's a financial language. Blessed are the poor. That's how it would have struck these individuals that day. I'm poor in spirit, but I'm also poor financially. Blessed are the poor, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said our reward in heaven for listening to his advice. Here it is. Ready? Verse 35 and 36 of Luke 6. So love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And here it is. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. How many people want a great reward in heaven? But it didn't say in heaven. It says from heaven. How many people want a great reward from heaven? I'm in. Sign me up. Jesus Whatever I have to do, well, Jesus, that's why I already told you what you have to do. You have to love your enemies. You have to do good to them. You have to lend without asking people to repay you back. You have to give things away. Jesus says, you want a great reward from heaven? Then you have to open your hands and, and, and give a lot of things away because you're so burdened down. You're so burdened down by your, your cultural thinking that you cannot adapt to a kingdom-minded thinking. Then your reward from heaven will be great. See, I want the reward, but I struggle obeying. And you will truly, I love this, be acting as children of the Most High. But Jesus, I thought I was acting like 
a child of the Most High God. I thought I was your son. And Jesus says, well, yeah. But if you truly now want to be acting like a child of God and obeying and living like a child of the Most High God, then you've got to get rid of some of these things that are keeping you tied to the world. Then your reward from heaven will be great. You will truly be acting as a child of the Most High God, for He is kind to those who are unthankful, kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. What would it look like for the church to truly give and love and serve like Jesus? I want to leave that question with you individually. What would it look like for you in your life, in your family, in your relationships to truly give and love and serve like Jesus? You will be blessed. <laughs> you will inherit the kingdom of God. Your reward will be great as a child of the Most High God. I want the reward. But I need to pray that God would show me how to obey. Give me the strength to obey. I mean... We sing songs about it. I preach about it. We've got the power of the Most High God living inside of us as the Holy Spirit, giving us the ability to, to, to do anything that He calls us to, and yet we're met with something so minor as, you know what, I just need to, you to open your hand a little bit. I need you to give some things away. And we say, well, that's outside the realm of possibility, God. I mean, I know you can cure cancer. I know you can redeem and transform lives. But for, for you to change my standard of living and give me a comfort level outside of my financial, my current financial well-being, God, I just don't know if that's possible. See how ridiculous this sounds? So I preached this message to you this morning. And I, I, I just want to throw this little caveat here at the end and say this. In all that I'm saying, I'm not asking you to give to this church. I care more about the spiritual well-being and the, the, future, the kingdom future that God has in store for all of us, not just you, but myself, my wife, my children as well. I care more about that than I do about the, the, the physical location and the building that we meet in. So I'm not asking you to give to our church. I'm asking you to pray. I've got them written down here. Very similar to what I asked you to do last week. Pray for wisdom and discernment from God as you encounter His call, you encounter His Spirit. I'm asking you to lay your wealth, your debt, your giving before the God as a daily act of trust and saying, God, here's my, here's my, my wealth. Here's the bills that I owe. Here's the, the areas financially that I'm uncomfortable with. Here, God, is the surplus that I have that I'm struggling to let go of. Here's the savings that I'm trying to build up right now. And God, if that's coming between me and you, God, convict me. So I'm calling us all to lay our wealth, our debt, our giving before God as a daily act of trust and say, God, if you call me to give this up, I'm willing to do it. Commit to give, to love, to serve like Jesus as he presents opportunities. See, because I personally could say, well, I'm going to lay my wealth and I'm going to lay my debt and I'm going to lay my giving before God and I'm going to say, God, it's all yours if you want, if you want it. And then I'm going to back away and have a secret prayer and say, but please don't take it all. Are you with me? 
So that's why that third step is so important. I'm committing God to give, to love, and to serve as you call me to. I know it's going to be difficult, God. But I'm committed to that. And I want to do that if that's what's keeping me from a kingdom mindset. If that's what's keeping me from gaining the blessings that you have in store for me and passing those blessings on through me. And then finally it says here, pray for guidance and direction from God as you face many, many challenges. See, because there's a reason that we are tied to this world. There's a reason that our wealth was talked about by Jesus more than anything else. There's a reason that, that our American, our cultural mindset is to achieve as much as possible. To hold on to, whether you're going to need it or not, or use it or not, hold on to it. There's a reason that our enemy has made that such a priority in our life. So this morning, we're just going to approach God's throne of grace. And God, today I pray... That whatever our struggles, you would meet us right there. I pray today, Jesus, that your words would fall on hearing ears. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that as we lay our wealth and our debt and our giving before you, you would empower us in a way like never before. I pray, Father God, that you would constantly remind us that we are your sons, we are your daughters, called to kingdom mindset and kingdom living and kingdom blessings. Father God, I pray that you would constantly remind us that we are living in this world, but we are not to be of this world. Jesus, remind us the cost of following you. Jesus, remind us the blessings that await us as we live in you. Holy Spirit, we thank you.